the attunement to impermanence. Now again, this is a, an aspect of experience that is already happening. And so in our practice, the cultivation of awareness of what is happening in this moment, the attunement to impermanence is kind of a, an invitation to broaden the lens of what is being received to include the changing nature of experience. We tend in our, the simple, the simple aspect of am I aware, what am I aware of, this begins to get the continuity of the mindfulness going. And, and yet still we may tend to, even in that continuity, out of habit, again, our views, our perspectives, what we are familiar with is where the attention generally goes. And so sometimes we need to hear teachings and, and, and then perhaps it's more just of a curiosity. Is impermanence available in this moment to be known? And it is available to be known. It may not be available to this mind in this moment, depending on what's happening. And so it's a, it's a broadening of the experience beyond what our mind kind of naturally orients to, to incline towards and open towards an area or an aspect of experience the Buddha pointed to as this is a really important aspect of experience to notice. It will free the mind to attune to this aspect of experience. Now I, I say that and then I want to again back off again. If I'd like to has it. This is not something to make a project out of, but more of a, of a kind of a, is it available? Can, is the mind able to notice impermanence? And so it may just more be of a, a opening to a question and then seeing what's there. Because again, this, is a, this can be a subtle experience. And if we're looking for it, that very looking may obscure the changing nature. So it's kind of a paradox to orient towards something and yet not look for it. Playing with that kind of paradox in our practice. It is the continuity of mindfulness that allows us to see things more deeply, to begin to understand the nature of our experience in this more general way, understanding the nature of impermanent, unreliable, not self. There was a question, a couple of questions about concentration, and and just as a, a reminder, I'm not going to talk much about it, but just as a pointer, somebody asked, how does concentration fit in this practice? The continuity, cultivation of the continuity of mindfulness is how concentration is cultivated 
in this practice because the continuity of mindfulness is concentration. And so that stability of the mind to be present and receive changing experience, be in the flow of experience, that is concentration. It's a different feeling than a one-pointed concentration, but it is concentration. The mind is stable, present. The mindfulness is stable, not being pulled out of awareness. That is concentration. And then in, in exploring experience, I, I'm speaking about the instructions about noticing each link in the chain and the understanding of this is whatever it is. This is feeling, this is clinging, this is craving, this is its arising. We can, we can be curious in that about the the general nature, the impermanence itself. And, and yet it's also part of the practice to understand um, something about the uh, specific nature of those conditionings as well especially, I mean, in any of the links, but one that I'm going to point to particularly here is between feeling and craving. This is the place where reactivity begins to be constructed. There's something pleasant, something unpleasant. We like it, we move towards it. We don't like it, we move away from it. And we often, I think, miss in that shift between feeling and craving what it is we are actually craving. So for instance, experience of sound arises We, we think we experience a sound as pleasant or unpleasant. And we think we are reacting to the sound. I don't, I don't like that sound. If you, I would encourage, I'll say, I will encourage an exploration when you notice reactivity to be curious about what is actually unpleasant in your experience. The mind is reacting to something unpleasant. But in general, it's not the sound itself. 
sound impacting the ear and one understanding of how sound works is that the actual impact of ear wa- of waves on the eardrum is neutral. It's a neutral experience. The exception to that might be extremely loud sound that actually damages the eardrum, which would be experienced as unpleasant. But that is not the sound that's unpleasant. That is the physical contact, the actual tearing, the damaging of the eardrum. That's the unpleasant part of it, not the sound itself. And so the sound, the understanding, sound itself, just the, the bare experience of sound is neutral. And if we are reacting to sound, it is because we have some idea that sound shouldn't be happening. That person shouldn't be making that sound. Something in there, a thought, an idea, a concept. And the concept has an unpleasant feeling to it. That is what we are reacting to. We are reacting to something created by our own minds. And so this is a very powerful understanding and a curiosity, particularly in this feeling craving area. When there is reactivity, so often reactivity comes out of experiencing something we take to be unpleasant. So let's talk about aversion right now because aversion arises when something unpleasant is happening. What is actually unpleasant? What is that wanting responding to? Curiosity about that. It's a very interesting exploration and very freeing, actually. When aversion is arising, what is unpleasant in experience? What is actually unpleasant? Much of the time, what is unpleasant is a construct based on idea. What we're reacting to. And likewise in the pleasant, actually, much of what we're responding to, much of what we're reacting to, if we want something, we don't actually want the thing, we want some idea. Some, we want some kind of projection of something that's life's going to be so great when that thing happens. That's what we want. The pr- we've created an idea of what it's going to be and that's what we want, that idea. 